This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the SEC Game Day Reaction here on Southeastern 14. I'm Blaine Gilmer. That's Chris Lee. Chris, it's been a crazy day of football, man. It has. It's been a sometimes good one, sometimes sloppy one, but very interesting one from start to finish. And as we start this, we are watching Kentucky and Missouri go to the last half of the fourth quarter, and LSU and Auburn has just finished. So almost everything in the book for the SEC uh, – as we do this. As Shane Hyder said, Key is uh, shooting itself in the foot. I think he means Kentucky there. Kentucky, yeah. Uh, not- I was going to say, if that's Dane Key, he's got company. That I can't believe what I'm watching in Lexington tonight. Devin, Devin Leary has just been an abomination. I mean, it's been awful. Like, I cannot believe uh, how bad he's been this year after all the buildup, everything like that. Obviously, he is not the same player that he was when he was at NC State before the injury. Uh, things are not meshing well there, Chris, but that was a that was just a abysmal performance by him and that and that offense there. And you can't, you know, you can't ask your defense to stay on the field all day long with all the weapons that Missouri has, even though uh Luther Burden did exit this game with an injury. So that is a big development there. Um, two big players exiting games uh today, Luther Burden, and then of course Rock Bowers in the Georgia game that you were uh, on yeah. hand for today. So a lot to talk about, Chris, but where do you want to lead this this uh, conversation first? Well, lots of thoughts. You hit on some of my thoughts on Kentucky. Uh, number one, it's always kind of an unbaked take to say, well, I wonder if such and such should lose his job without really being familiar with, with who the backup is. To be honest, I don't know what the backup quarterback situation is at Kentucky right now because it wasn't even on my radar screen to look into it. But I'm watching Devin Leary play tonight. I'm going, they can't continue to play him the way he's playing. So I don't know what their alternatives are, number one. But there's that. Number two, Kentucky's complete lack of discipline. By the way, there's there's Missouri components of this, too. We'll get there. So I don't mean to make this just a, hey, Kentucky sucked tonight, not give Missouri credit. But the, the lack of discipline – on Kentucky is just unbelievable. Uh, Number three, I was tweeting, and a buddy of mine tweeted me back. He said it's almost like they maybe they had a coach create a distraction this week. I don't know how much that is to blame. Mark Stoops is in all comments. I don't think that has anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah, we we look for ways to explain things. But, yeah, I'm watching what I'm watching here. And and Missouri, I mean, look, Missouri was down, what, 14-0 in this game. The – the punter throwing the touchdown pass changed everything, and Missouri's just been on top of it since. Brady Cook had some rough spots briefly in this game, but he's come over. I thought the the play call, uh, what was it, third and goal from the one or whatever, yeah. where they, they do the eye candy with Luther Burden, uh, was well-designed and executed. He's made some plays late in this game, and again, we talked about Brady Cook being one of the guys in this league that has really been on the top of our list of – of, I don't know if you call them MVP candidates, but if you want to make a list that goes to, to 10 or 12, I think Cook's got to be on there. It was yeah. kind of a tale of two quarterbacks tonight in Lexington, and the the one that I thought was the better one coming in uh, is going to win. Yeah, uh, but for sure. They they played better. We thought that maybe that, that Kroger Field environment, and I thought definitely once the momentum started going Kentucky's way, I was like, hey, they're about to 
they're about to boat boat race them, you know. And you you mentioned that that special teams play that fake really really changed things there uh, for for Missouri and got things going. But who knows? Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all uh, plays out going forward. But I, I'm uh, definitely surprised at how the inability of Kentucky's defense at times to get off the field, Chris, because that's always been a calling card of you know, Brad White and Mark Stoops, they haven't been able to do that there. And and you got to give credit to Missouri. They, they, they look good. They're, they're, you know, they run the ball well enough and then they make it, make explosive plays through the air as well. Now, you know, it will be, it will be interesting to see how, you know, with the Luther burden injury, what that looks like and things like that. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, as good of a player as he is, you hope he's able to come back and, and, and you know, be be fine, and the same with Brock Bowers and all these guys have been hurt. Edron Cooper, uh, for yeah. Texas A and M, was hurt. Walter I mean, Nolan, a, Walter Nolan, a bunch of guys out. Walter Nolan's the ser- most serious, I think, of all yeah. of them. But uh, you know, hey, it's just a day where football is a brutal game, and some of these games were games that maybe weren't the most exciting on the schedule, and that ends up being sometimes, Chris, the the more exciting weekends when you're not expecting anything out of them, they they end up pumping out some, some exciting results and some different things like that. So uh, it is, it's interesting there to see Kentucky going in this direction when just a couple of weeks ago, it looked like they were, they were starting to peak and round into form. And now Missouri, uh, Missouri's got, you know, big things ahead of it. Now they head to Athens in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, they got South Carolina next week. So, um, you know, a lot is lot still out ahead of Missouri, and as long as Brady Cook is playing, playing that kind of way, they're going to have a chance in in uh, in every ball game now. But a lot of this does have to do with the absolute ineptitude of Kentucky's offense. It it was it's atrocious. Yeah, I mean, they had the game, and by by the way, we're not going to stay on Kentucky probably too much longer because we got some other games to to talk about. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a yeah that that is. I'll give you a heads up. I've got two or three things that are storylines that I've got in mind. I think are the maybe the biggest things coming out of today. And I'm sure I'll forget something, but I thought Kentucky had a had the game set up. They get up 14-0. You got Ray Davis runs for about 90 yards in the first half. You've got game flow in your favor, right? Because that's where your bread is buttered. Ray Davis with, with Leary having issues. And Missouri flipped that so quickly at the end of the half. Uh, came out in the second half and got momentum, and, and here we are. Kentucky's got 238 total yards as we've got five minutes and change left. Yeah, that just it, it, Tyler Sprouse put on here, which uh, if you see that logo beside Tyler, guys, he's a member here. You can be as well. Uh, we'd appreciate Gosh. you doing that. Super chats as well that are welcome, but Leary's receivers don't help him much either. That's right. When he is on target, they drop balls. So I don't know what's going on there, but you got to give Mizzou credit. Chris, we've talked about how big home field advantage is and for them to go on the road uh, and win after the way they lost last week at their own home field. Um, that, that shows a lot of maturity and a lot of, uh, a lot of fight in this Missouri team, and they, they executed better than Kentucky did. So uh, that is – I mean, that's something to look forward to if you're Missouri. But speaking of a home win, Chris, uh, I think Tennessee might be where you were going next with uh, taking care of A&M in Knoxville. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of my storylines of the day, and, and probably number one is injuries. I want to see how Brock Bowers is. Uh, I was at that game today. I think that once he went into the tunnel, I don't think he ever even came out again. They also had Xavier Truss hurt today, as did Georgia, but yeah. he was at least on the sidelines. And, of course, they had a, a Marius Mims missing already. So I think you throw in the Nolan injury. Uh, who was the other one at A&M that you mentioned? Adrian oh, Cooper. Cooper, yeah, him and Luther Burden. So those are those are four or five really, really, really big names. So I'm going to be monitoring Monday and Tuesday to see what comes out of press conferences on on health. And my goodness, Devin Leary well, just they, another pick. Um, in terms of in terms of Bowers, uh, Kirby Smart already said that they took him back, got x-rays, x-rays were negative, so there's no bones broken, okay, nothing good. like that. Um, they're going to do an MRI just to check tomorrow, but I think he said what you're dealing with is just a low ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain. So the low ankle sprain, you're actually able to recover faster if that is the case. 
Uh, and Brock Bowers is tough as they come. So if he can walk, he'll be out there playing. Uh, plus, Georgia gets a bye week this week, and so it hit. That's a that's at a great time uh, for for Georgia to come come that way. And listen, Chris. Other than other than the injury stuff, I I just want to tell everybody there's literally nothing you can take away from Georgia in that in that Vandy game. It's not that Georgia. It's wow. not that Georgia. You know, has some kind of weakness or something and things like that. They just they just didn't come out in an aggressive fashion. Vanderbilt honestly played pretty conservative as well by playing yeah. their safeties and stuff so deep and just keeping everything in front of them. Uh, yeah. I just think, hey, you know, that's that's pretty much a wash. You just, you know, early kick, Vandy, Gale Force wins, win, move on, by week, and, you know, Georgia's going to be just fine. They just got to get guys healthy. Yeah, it's funny. I think I think the win was a lot bigger factor on the field than it was up high. We had the press box windows open, and, and – were kind of a little mystified for a bit before we saw some things lower to the ground. But yeah, I mean, I think from Vandy and and I want to move on from that one because I'm agreeing with you. There's not much, maybe, maybe Vanderbilt found a little bit more competitiveness than, than we expected. Uh, you know, they get a two point conversion late and that's a one score game with six minutes left. Nobody had that on the bingo card, but I think the biggest story today was probably three hours from me to the East I thought Tennessee's defense today was a major yeah. story. And we had Trey Wallace on the show Friday. And Trey said – I asked him a throwaway question at the last. And I do this a lot of our guests. I just say, give me something that we need to be talking about that we're not in this game. And he said special teams could be a big factor. Well, sure enough, Tennessee gets a 39-yard punt return touchdown from D. Williams. But I thought – one thing we highlighted going into this game, and look, I, I know that Tennessee's got some Joe Milton issues. I get that. A lot of teams have got issues at quarterback right now. To, but to me, what stood out, AM is a super talented offense. And we said Tennessee has got the ability to disrupt things. I thought Tennessee won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, uh, particularly with its defensive line. Uh, AM rushed for. 54 yards today. I don't know what that is if you adjust for sacks. I don't have that in front of me. But I thought that the Tennessee's defense, we said that was, in my mind, an undercovered storyline coming into the season. I think one of my bold predictions was to pick Tennessee to allow 20 or fewer points a game this year. Vols, I think, are allowing 17, 18 after today. And uh, I thought the defense was Something happened to your microphone there, Chris. I don't know what. Oh, what sorry. Happened to you. I think uh, I think ESPN is giving me some ads here. I didn't ask for that are. Oh, it's a, it's okay. But look, well, that and that is with Texas A and M. Now, uh, you know, we'll see how the we'll see how the uh, defense looks when it comes to next week at at Tuscaloosa. That'll be a, that'll be a challenge. I thought. Kentucky at going them going to Kentucky the week after that would be a challenge. It looks like that's not going to be. However, we've talked about Devin Leary not looking great. Neither is Joe Milton. Uh, Tennessee's defense did did look really good. They create a lot of havoc. We know what Tyler Barron does. We know what uh, you know Beasley does. All of these guys, James Pierce, they're very very active. Um, but man, alive! It just Max Johnson. There were plays to be made there and he just he just couldn't connect on him I, I he's not he throws off his back foot a lot uh doesn't step into throws but Tennessee you got to give credit they made stops when they need to they got the the plays on special teams but I think if you ask every Tennessee fan what their level of concern is about Joe Milton it would be very very high uh because now you have to take Joe Milton on the road versus an Alabama defense that is playing really really well and if you're going to move the ball on an Alabama defense, you got to do what KJ Jefferson did today and make some superhuman type plays. Uh, yeah. And I don't know that Joe's c capable of, of doing that right now, the way he's playing football. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. The Tennessee defense played really well. They, they hampered, uh, hampered Max Johnson a lot. They were, they pressured him a ton uh, and he wasn't able to be comfortable, but we'll see. We'll see what it looks like uh, next week in, in uh, Tuscaloosa for Tennessee, for sure. Yeah, and the other thing I meant to mention, I thought Graham Mertz today and the way that he brought Florida back late. We didn't know if Graham Mertz could be any more than a game manager. I, I just remember back to the overreactions at the end of August 
to that loss at Utah, which ended up being a really, really, really good defense, by the way. Uh, they, they look really silly. Mertz has been super efficient. I, I think, again, I've said this, I, I think he and Brady Cook are very similar. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They're very accurate with the ball. They give you a shot to win, and, and now they're finding playmakers. Ricky Pearsall Jr. is having a big year. Uh, Boardingham, uh, Arliss Boardingham is, is kind of emerged as a playmaker. Eugene Wilson the third had a nice day today. We kind of circled the running game for Florida is that team's identity. But to me, and that's been disappointing, but now you have Mertz stepping up, throwing for 423 today. And, yeah, I know South Carolina's pass defense isn't great, but that game was in Columbia, a tough place to win. And I think that's one thing that maybe people need to start talking about more is Graham Mertz not getting enough credit for what Florida's doing. Oh, he, he played. He, he showed poise. Uh, he he took shots down the field. You know, he, he's not afraid to. He's not afraid to step up in big moments and, and and you know give his give his receivers a chance. Ricky Pearsall, obviously the most targeted one of those, but Eugene Wilson made a couple plays in there as well. So I think Graham Mertz, you got to give him a lot of credit. That was not uh, something that everybody looked at. In, interestingly enough, uh, Chris, I think. Kentucky was actually the front runner for in the transfer portal deal for Mertz and for Leary, and they mm. elected to go with Leary. Goodness, uh, they're probably regretting that decision now. But uh, I think everybody, you know, going into it would have made that decision based off Devin Leary's pass. But it just seems like Leary's not healthy, and Graham Mertz is healthy, and he is he's playing, uh, you know, as you said, efficient football, and he's playing. Um, you know, with with a lot of passion for that Florida program, a lot of excitement. You can see the leadership he brings, and they needed every bit of it because, Chris, one thing we we cannot figure out is why when Florida is not playing at the Swamp, why they cannot run the football when they are away from the Swamp. Yeah. They can't do it. Under 100 yards rushing again today, the same thing was at Utah, the same thing was uh, was at Kentucky. They cannot run the ball away from home but Graham Mertz bailed them out and uh you know they needed it because the defense didn't have a great day either Spencer Rattler continues to play really good football um that was that was impressive by him as well but I think overall when you're Florida Billy Napier needed that win just two and seven now on the away from the swamp in his tenure at Florida and that was a huge win for him and actually if I'm not mistaken Chris I think Florida still controls their their destiny uh, in the in the East because they got the Georgia game coming up. They've beat they've beaten everybody. Where well, they got one SEC one SEC loss on the year to to Kentucky at Kentucky. My goodness, how those teams have gone in a different direction. That game two weeks ago seems like it was last year at this point. Given so what you're talking about now, Florida and Georgia both have bye weeks, uh, so that Florida's yeah. got two weeks to prepare for Georgia. It, who knows? You know. I'm not saying that I think it'll happen, but if Florida took care of business, they would be first place in the East, so they still got a lot to play for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it's, I'm looking at this. Tennessee still has only been on the road once. You got some teams that are about to, to get tested in some places when we pick up action two weeks from now. But that that schedule the next two weeks, we got some some games in here that I can't wait to see. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going although Ole Miss Auburn, I think, lost some luster today. We haven't talked LSU yet, but LSU. Uh, hey, congrats, Auburn! Auburn did finally get a passer over 100 yards. Hey, there you go. That's a small victory. Small victory. Yeah. But uh, LSU, uh, we had a comment up here. LSU's defense, uh, right, right here, Ross. He said they played a heck of a lot better uh, tonight than the last couple of weeks. No doubt. No doubt. I think that a lot has to do as well with hey, you're you're at home. In Baton Rouge, got a got a night game, you know, fired up, ready to go, and also to Auburn, very very limited offensively, but they did a good job. You have to give LSU credit of gap responsibility, holding down that run game, uh, and then you know Auburn's just not doesn't have the the weaponry out there on the outside or the quarterback play to be able to beat you through the air. So you got to give LSU credit of making Auburn play left handed and then and then executing on that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't get to see as much of that game because my focus was on Missouri-Kentucky. But, I mean, LSU just seemed to control that one from the jump. 
Yeah, no, they did. They did. They they came out, uh, you know, kind of on fire, and and uh, Auburn put up a little bit of fight, kept it in a, around a thirteen point game there for a little bit, but they just didn't have the the horses to run with them. Jaden Daniels continues to just make plays where he's just putting the ball in spots where his his receivers can make plays after the catch, and I think that's just a big big problem for people when Jaden Daniels is accurate and and playing as well as he is, Chris. I mean. With those receivers, it's dangerous. And uh, we know that offensive line, uh, ever since that Florida State game, they've really turned it around in terms of uh, protecting Jaden Daniels and also getting that run game going with Logan Diggs and things like that. So that LSU offense, in my opinion, is the best in the country. Uh, if they can get a little bit better defensively, I think that they're a dangerous team, even having to go to, uh, to Tuscaloosa later this year. Hey, let's talk Alabama. In Arkansas for a minute. I didn't get to see really much of any of that when I was at Vandy. Did have it on my laptop, uh, but yeah, I watched. The chances it. that I got to watch were were kind of few and far between. Alabama jumped out all over them, and then kind of hung on for dear life. And I know Jalen Milrow had another weird, weird passing game. Uh, you know, for Arkansas, just another frustrating loss. I think that's seventeen in a row to Alabama. But I was just wondering what takeaways you had coming out of that one since I didn't get to see it. Uh, one takeaway is that Alabama continues, Caden Proctor at left tackle continues to get abused. Uh, Landon they Jackson. They gave up a couple, four sacks again today, didn't they? Yeah. Landon Jackson a couple of times embarrassed him, made him look bad. And uh, I just don't think Alabama ultimately is going to be able to keep winning football games or win ones that matters the most when you've got that level of offensive line play. I think Jalen Milrow can only bail you out so many times, uh, and he does. I mean, he's got athleticism, but 10 of 21 on the day, uh, he didn't turn the ball over, so you got to give him credit for that. They weren't, you know, elite rushing the football. They did okay, uh, but, I mean, it's just a deal where I think when you're talking about that that defense, they they played pretty well for Alabama, and that's what they hang their hat on. But KJ Jefferson just made some extraordinary plays. Uh, I think Nick Saban said he said this. He had a quote that said, "When you got a quarterback that throws one of your uh, one of a really really major college football player off like a gnat on a cow's ass," he said that is the, that is <laughs> he said that's one of the most impressive plays I've ever seen. So KJ Jefferson getting props from Nick Saban. Uh, you know, he's a strong guy and he escaped some some un- impossible looking situations a couple of times and made some plays. So listen, I just think it's a day, Chris, where nobody in this league, nobody in the country is without their warts. And and it's also a deal where if you don't come and play your best football every day, then then with the way the clock rules are now and stuff like that, then people can stay close in football games. Um but even though we we talk about like Georgia, you know, sleepwalking with Vanderbilt and stuff like that, you see some of these things around the country. Like, all right, Louisville last week outside the conference, right? They beat the crap out of Notre Dame, and they get it taken to them by an awful pit team today. So what it, what I'm getting yeah. at here is that what that to me going back to Georgia is what makes Georgia's streak now of 34 straight conference uh, or regular season games 34 straight regular season games georgia has won 24 overall games straight that they have won chris that's just impressive because you're not going to have your best football every single day when you come out no and and the expectations there have gotten so high that and look this is a league with a lot of parity man um we kind of pick apart these teams every week when they get beat, but sometimes it's just the other guy did did more stuff. Um, yeah, I'm looking up Georgia's got, although I guess the quality of the wins are are, are taking a hit. I mean, their better games are ahead, but yeah, I mean, look when, when you've won a couple of national titles and you're playing teams that you're like today a 32 and a half point favorite against. Um, I, I don't know that NFL teams would always have you know, full attention going into a game like that, much less college kids. So, yeah, I mean, in in a day and age, and I'll be interested to see what they can do going forward, Blaine, because parity yeah. is, is here. We have talked about this all season, and, and I was actually trying to do, as we were doing this, that the count of unbeatens left 
because we had some go down. I'll be very interested to see if Georgia can continue this through the back half of the schedule. Yeah, I mean, it, it all has to do with health and all that kind of stuff. You know, how many guys you got healthy and, and things like that. But like I said, bye week's coming. Missouri looks uh, looks really good, like we said, after, you know, what they just did. Now they've got South Carolina at home. Uh, so that's going to be that's going to be a game next week where Missouri should win that one. And then they should have a bye week before Georgia. So that's going to, you know, them having a bye week before uh, they play Georgia and Georgia come having coming off whether it's Florida is not maybe as good as we you know think or not this year. Still, that's a rivalry game. It's going to be a physical, hard-fought contest that Georgia has to play before playing Missouri uh, in Athens. But Missouri does get a bye week, so hey, there's there's lots to lots to look forward to here uh, in the next couple of weeks, Chris. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to run down the the slate of unbeaten's. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Georgia, still unbeaten. I think Oklahoma was off today. Is that correct? Um, yeah, they were off. Michigan beat who? Was it Rut? Not not Rutgers. Um, Indiana. Uh, Indiana. Um, it was Ohio, Indiana. Ohio State was Ohio State off today, or no? They beat Purdue. Beat Purdue one at Purdue. So you've got those. Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Georgia are probably your front runners right now. Although Washington would be in there too. Uh, Washington beat Oregon on Washington's own field today, and what was a, a fun game to watch. You had Penn State just pounded UMass into oblivion, and Florida State beat who was it? Syracuse pretty badly. So right now that is what we've got: seven Power Five unbeaten's in North Carolina. I think is going to join that list. That'd be eight. Is that is that one done yet? No, uh, I don't. I'm not sure if it's done yet or not. I do know. I do know two teams that aren't Power Five that you really need to talk about that are going to be that are. I love watching play football, and I like I said, I know this is SEC, but I'm telling you, uh, yes, North Carolina will win that game. They're up 30, 38, 17, so they'll stay undefeated. But two teams that are really, really good, and I would love to see getting New Year's Six bowl games. James Madison. And Liberty. Air Force, James. Oh, Air Force. And, and Air Air Force is undefeated. They're beating uh, Wyoming tonight. Those are oh, two. Oh shoot! Those so are they, two they came good back. football teams. Yeah, I've, two I'm, good I'm a football teams. Of Wyoming, as you know. Um, yeah, I, I had not. I, I, Wyoming led that one early, so Air Force has come back and. Yeah, they're oh, up thirty four and, and now gone final. So yeah, I mean Air Force is pretty good, um, and and you've got Liberty also, although Liberty has played. Uh, the, the weakest schedule in the history of college football. But, um, yeah, so you're, you're unbeaten. Let's see. Let me let me get the count for you. You've got seven. North Carolina would be eight. Uh, Air Force is nine. James Madison's 10. Liberty's 11. I, I think my math is right on that. Yeah, 11 teams in the country. I mean, that, that just shows you the value of a win. You know, we talk about – we, we dissect these things like, okay, Tennessee looked good here. They didn't look good here. Georgia looked good here. They didn't look good here. You know, th things like that. But when it comes down to it, a win is a win in college football. And to be able to stack up wins and continue to do so in a sport that each week is a de facto playoff game, right? I mean, that's what we've loved about college football for the last – several years i mean in in the four-team playoff and then in the bcs areas every week is a playoff game because you can't afford maybe one loss but you can't afford any more than that going into it so that's why uh we we love college football so much now it's going to change a little bit when we get to the 12-team playoff but as other people point out that'll just make some of these other games matter more like you know the Missouri Kentucky game that that that, that would have been an even bigger matchup than it was already because in a twelve team playoff type deal. So, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting here. But we appreciate everybody coming in. Hit that like button, subscribe, turn on notifications. We got a, a we got a, a lot of reaction stuff that we've gone through already, and we've got a few few more things to hit here. So, uh, Chris, just you know we've talked about I think most every most every team tonight. What are what are maybe overall your biggest uh takeaways or questions going forward i know we talked about injury stuff but in terms of on the field issues is there anything that that you're just glaring like hey man you know we we got to see more out of this team or you got to see what's going to happen well i think um 
a takeaway you said playoffs I, I still continue to wish we had the 12 team this year because i'd like to see lsu get in and see what it could do um yeah. I, I think lsu's not going to make it now but fast tell you, tell you a matchup that would have been fun to see in the playoffs lsu north carolina uh, oh yeah boy, that, uh, that like would be nine million points scored exactly um takeaways from what we've seen today um got to wonder about jimbo fisher's seat that's a hot topic Still an expensive seat, though. And by the way, we're catching a little flack for for taking Missouri. Yeah, we we did take Kentucky. I I said that I thought that on the neutral field, give me the home team, and that was Kentucky. Maybe that was the easy way out. Um, I thought Kentucky's defense was a little bit better than Missouri's, uh, and playing at home, they'd be fired up. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, I, I was wrong about that, but right, hey, Missouri's good. We were team. right on Tennessee. Yeah, we I mean, right well, and Florida. look. Well, I, no, I wasn't. I was wrong. I had South Carolina because they were the home oh, team. I had um, Florida. There, there were three pickums, and I went, I went home team on all of them for for lack of a better idea. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Missouri, Missouri's pretty strong. I think um, I, I want to see if, what the burden situation is. We we've said that since the opening week, he has taken so many hits. I worried about him getting hurt. So hopefully that's not serious. Um, I want to see if Kentucky can get it right going forward. I, I just don't have any confidence with them at the quarterback position after tonight. Uh, the the discipline was awful. Um, I, I, I think a week off. Be interested to see what they do in the Tennessee game. That'll be fascinating in two weeks with, with Tennessee coming off either a a big win or a letdown in Tuscaloosa next week. Can't wait. Can't wait to see that one because I think both teams can give the other teams some problems. Um, you know, Arkansas, we didn't talk a lot about Arkansas, but Arkansas's not quit yet. Hung in there today when it, when it could have mailed it in being down in Tuscaloosa pretty early, did not. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think in Florida, we didn't talk enough about Florida. Florida now is what five and two. Yeah, that's and and the schedule. I said tough, if they, but yeah, I said if he if Billy Napier won eight games this year, I said he should be the SEC coach of the year. That's how that's how uh, you know you know much talent they were lacking out on the perimeter especially ricky pearsall continues just to have a bunch of guts man i mean he plays plays so hard and and uh does some really great things but um you know we'll see we'll see what what happens there uh charles is saying uh, we, we we didn't get to watch the end of that because we went live he said that burden did return and play uh, oh, so good, that's good. good that's good that's good for uh missouri right there um yeah, for sure. I mean, so so when it comes down to it, what we've got to see going forward out of out of some of these teams is just more consistency. That's all it is. Just being just being more consistent. I used to have a coach, Chris, that tell me the true measure of greatness is consistency, right? Can you week in and week out find ways to win ball games, whether you've uh, got any injuries, whether you've got your your A game that day road home whatever you got to come in and play a consistent brand of football i think we're seeing missouri, missouri do that yeah. uh, they did have some lapses against what i think is the best offense in the country in lsu but like i said i think everybody's going to give up points to lsu from this point on when they play them you just have to if you're missouri you have to continue to find ways to create playmakers that are going to compliment loser burden and they, i think they're doing that with theo wees i think they're doing that with mookie cooper Schrader's really good i think uh, pete's a good change up back and i think as the year goes on they're going to have to utilize a little bit more of brady cook's legs kind of like they did tonight with some of that eye candy type stuff things like that yeah. uh, just to add that dimension he didn't run as as prevalently in the early part of the season as i maybe imagined that he would but i think you're going to see his legs as it gets a little gets a little colder, more inclement weather, stuff like that. Throwing the football becomes a little bit harder for every team involved. You know, I think you're going to see Brady Cook's legs become a bigger factor there. And then for Florida, uh, you know, a team that, that, you know, you praise Graham Mertz. I think when it comes, when it comes to Florida, 
they just have to find ways to be able to consistently throw the football because I mean, consistently run the football because I don't think you can rely on Mertz to be Superman every week. You know, he's, he, he has a lot of poise and he's not afraid to push it down the field, but eventually the limitations of that receiving core are going to be there and there's just not going to be a lot of open, uh, you know, people wide open. They're going to play better secondaries than they did in South Carolina's tonight. In fact, there's a lot of pressure on Clayton White out there, Chris, our – our friend over oh, uh, Chris Chris at uh, Spurs Up Show says it's time for Clayton White to go, so he's he's already calling for that change. But what I'm telling you is Florida, they've got to find ways to consistently run the football because you can't ask Graham Mertz to be the hero every single time. Uh, and and those are two teams that are looking for looking for consistency. Um, and then when it comes to Georgia, you're just looking for the uh, getting healthy on the bye week. Yeah. Um- a couple things. I'm, I want to look at Mertz's line because it's it's awfully good for the year now. He has gone. I don't know if they've updated this. I think after today, he has thrown 13 touchdowns and two picks, uh, or maybe it's 12. That that's that's pretty good. He's completing passes at a at a very high efficiency. Um, is goodness? Is he 80 percent now? It can't be right, but maybe he is. Um, so yeah, again, I, I think I think he and Brady Cook, most underrated player in the league to this point. I wanted to ask you about South Carolina because did you see Shane Beamer's press conference afterwards? Oh, did he did he blame everybody else? And oh, he son? he he got called out for that, and he was yeah, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. Play, and it was players didn't do this, players didn't do that. So and so didn't execute, and he just looked completely exasperated. Well, you know um, whose fault that is? That's the co- ultimately the coaches are responsible for making the players do what they they're supposed well, to. Well, that, and that's what he was getting called out on Twitter for. And they are now what two and five? Is that right? Yeah. With the game against Missouri coming up, um, still got to go to A and M, uh, and then the end Vandy, Kentucky, Clemson at home. Um, I I don't know, man. Um, they've had they've had some good mojo late in the year, and you know, in first year nobody expected anything, nobody should have expected anything, so no pressure. And look, the the way they ended last year, right? Carolina was everybody's hot pick for number two or three in the SEC, and uh, Carolina fans were feeling it and recruiting momentum, all those things. And I'm not saying they were wrong to feel it, uh, but you know, they're two and four. By the way, they had a bye week. It's it's all about where you set the bar, and that bar in Columbia was set pretty high. And it shouldn't have been because they were just they didn't have the talent up front to to even think about competing this year, and that was before the injuries. And now they've had a ton of injuries, so you know I I think that's some misplaced expectations by South Carolina faithful. They shouldn't have been expected that much out of this team. Um, but man, I I just think when you're talking about it, people say that Shane Beamer's not even close to being on a hot seat. How could he not be? Uh, he Will Muschamp had a better record at this point than than Shane Beamer does in in his career, and you know at South Carolina. And I just I, I don't I know they say recruiting is is going well, but I mean, how long do you get? He, Shane Beamer said himself, you don't get a five six year rebuilding plan in the SEC. So yeah. Um... I don't know what their schedule's like next year, but anyway. Um, by the way, Charles says uh, national media pushing Mizzou to overrated uh, due to the fact they're never completely aware how complete the team is. Hey, that that hasn't been the case here. We've been been calling that one out a while. And uh, Chris Taylor, yes, LSU's or excuse me, Missouri's only loss was to LSU last week. Yep. Yep, for sure. I, I did think that, you know, Kentucky would play better at home, but man, uh, that has a lot to do with two two things. I think LSU, uh, Missouri affected him, of course, and I also think Devin Leary is just playing really, really bad football right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one reason that 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 happened for, for Kentucky not playing well uh, offensively, but you got to give a lot of credit to Missouri as well. So we're going to find out a ton about Missouri as we go forward. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll, I'll give you a let, let's let's do some let's have some fun here. 
Let's do pick okay. the lines next week. See see how close we get on these. Uh, Missouri, South Carolina, that one is in Missouri. Um, I'm thinking Missouri and seven. I think it's going to be like eight and a half. I, I think there'll be – I don't think – I think they're going to look at South Carolina and be like, no chance. <laughs> Okay. Especially on the road. I think probably in a neutral field, it might be, you know, it might be six, something like that. But, you know, I don't know. I, I'm thinking eight, eight and a half, nine points, but maybe, maybe seven. Tyler Sprouse says seven and a half. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the computers, I'm, I'm looking at, at a bunch that I've always got in front of me, and the lines are always very close to what the computers had. The, the computers had these teams right in that same stratosphere where like on a neutral field it's probably a point or two. Now that's gonna that's gonna change with Missouri winning at home and Kentucky um the outcome of that game tonight. I I've lost my train of thought. But anyway, my point is it's gonna separate a little bit. South Carolina losing to Florida home. That's what I meant to say. Um but I I think it's probably Vegas doesn't overreact or doesn't react as heavily to what happened last week as as fans do. I, I do think that's probably seven to eight still. Yep, no, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, hey, what about Alabama hosting Tennessee? What do you think the line is for the Vols going to Tuscaloosa? The, the lines for Alabama games are always higher than I think they're going to be. I I think so. I, I would I would say I would I would peg that as probably an eight or nine point game in my mind. I I think it's going to be closer to thirteen. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I uh, I think it could be a I think it could be honestly a two touchdown deal. Uh, like like yeah. you're talking about. I mean, I think it could be you know fourteen fourteen and a half. I really do. Uh, because I don't see people. People don't realize just how good the Alabama defense is. They gave up a couple of you know crazy plays, but part of that was because they weren't get you know extending that drives lead. offensively. They, they, they lost focus. They admitted, yeah, to and them. they weren't extending yeah. drives offensively either. You know, they didn't didn't have a great area. You know, or great weren't great in that area. Third down efficiency, only six of. Six of fourteen, not terrible, but not fantastic either. So uh, on the day, and and you know, Milrow, I mean, there's just some inaccuracies at, at times that you're going to have to live with. But as long as he's not turning the ball over, it'll be it'll be fine. But I think Alabama is going to beat beat Tennessee pretty badly. Uh, Charles Conway, good good comp. Tennessee go so good yet so trash. I don't understand. And this is what I think my take on them is. I just don't think they're good where people expected it to be good, and I think they are good where people didn't expect. And I think that is what people are having problems grasping with Tennessee, that and the fact that their schedule has been uh, pretty lacking so far until today. So we just hadn't seen them play a lot of good teams. I think people kind of jumped to conclusions after they lost in the swamp. Well, Florida suddenly looks like a pretty decent team. Um, so there's also that. Yeah, I think anything, anytime you win on the road, Williams Bryce Stadium, that's obviously a nice win. Now we're going to see, okay, uh, between Georgia and Florida, who can get healthiest on the bye week, and uh, and and then you know you got the game in Jacksonville. Georgia will be. We can skip ahead and and try to you know predict that one. I think Georgia will be a double digit favorite in that game in, in Jacksonville. But uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be interesting with Tennessee. What you mentioned about Chris, um, I think. You know, obviously, everybody mischaracterizes that offense at times. People are like, well, Tennessee is high-flying offense. But, no, they want to run the football, and then they take shots, and they take the throws that are given to you. That's what Hendon Hooker was so good at. If there was a wide-open throw for 10 yards, he was going to hit it, and that Tennessee's offense was going to keep clicking. The offense was going to keep moving. Joe Milton gets a wide-open slant or a wide-open stop route or something like that, and he just throws it. He, he throws it inaccurately. Yeah. The ball's not the ball's not caught. The momentum stops on the tempo and all that kind of stuff, and and it just kills it. And Joe Milton, you know, one thing I will give him credit for, he ran the ball well today. I thought he he he, you know, 
when he pulled Brent it down and, and scrambled, when he ran some some option stuff, I thought he looked good. Maybe they need to incorporate more of that and say, "All right, Joe, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna use that big body and gonna gonna run run a little bit instead of you know throwing it as many times." But they they have a lot of people don't realize the kind of talent that they lost at receiver. People didn't dis people didn't credit. Uh, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman enough for the kind of receivers they were for that program. And, and I think Hendon Hooker, uh, now looking back on it, very vastly underrated, even though he yes. was a borderline Heisman contender uh, from last year. So well, it shouldn't have been borderline. They they screwed up when they didn't invite him to New York. But um, ne- next one, let's see. We've got Arkansas hosting Mississippi State. I'm I'm gonna guess that's Arkansas by six ish. Really? I, I don't know. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And maybe so the way they team. played Alabama. State and, and so. we don't know about Will Rogers either. I well, of course, and if they do that, they they got Mike Wright, who's not not a bad option as a backup. No, he's not um, a bad option as a backup. I think he's Ole just, Miss he's completely different. I think Ole Miss is gonna be a big, big favorite at home over Auburn. Uh probably Double double digits at at no they're are they're they're at Auburn that's Excuse me. at Auburn I think that's going to keep it down a little bit Seven I just don't points, think Auburn maybe. can can score against anybody they're going to be it's going to be a lot of hype around that place this week but I just do not trust Auburn to to put points up against much of anybody I think that's going to be Ole Miss and. Yeah, I, that that's about. I was going to say seven. Yeah, then we we don't even need to set one for uh, L, LSU and Army. I mean, that's just going to be that'll be a thirty point favorite. I mean, it'll be yeah, it'll be crazy. It'll be it'd be a big number, big number. And then the other SEC game. Nope, that's all of them. That's, that's all it. of them. We got a bunch. There's four SEC on SECs and and LSU and Army. Yeah, got a. Got a bunch of uh, a bunch of games or a bunch of teams that are on buys next week, so it's going to be interesting. And then October twenty eighth is a is a pretty pretty packed week. Got a lot of lot of games that week that'll be interesting as well. So getting into the nitty gritty here, um, really, when you cut look look at it, uh, you got what in the SEC East? You got Georgia with Florida in in second place, uh, Tennessee in in third place. Uh, and then Kentucky in fourth now. So, yeah, it's uh, it's shaping up to be a Georgia-Florida because Florida has the tiebreaker. Um, but if Georgia takes care of business, then it'll be all for all the marbles if Tennessee uh, can can stay, keep their nose clean until they play on November 11th in the East. So kind of what we thought there, but they would have to – they're, they're going to get another SEC loss next week, I think, at Alabama. So they'll have two losses. Florida – Florida's going to continue to control their own destiny. Like I said, Chris, that, that'll, that'll be a huge game in Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. Feels like the bye week comes at a good time for Georgia with yeah. the injuries oh, to Mims and Trust and Bowers. I don't yeah, I mean, know huge. what they've got defensively in terms of injuries, but that's that's three big guys on their offense. Yeah, Dan Jackson also didn't play a very experienced right. safety that played a lot. He didn't play for him today. Tyron uh, Tyre Ingram Dawkins has been out since the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, excuse me, I forgot uh, Missouri controls uh, their own destiny as well. So Missouri, Missouri and Florida are in second now right there um, with, with one SEC loss apiece in, in Tennessee because they lost two. Because they lost to Florida is t- is behind, so it's all right there bunched up together for second place. So that's going to be uh, going forward. Georgia's going to have two huge games uh, in a row right there for SEC supremacy with Florida and Jacksonville, Missouri um, in Athens, and then of course they have a crossover game with Ole Miss. So uh, yeah, sorry Chris, I, I forgot, but forgot that Chris Taylor made a good point there. Hey, I, I want to ask you, if you're Jimbo Fisher and, and all the stuff that's going to come your way, because they basically had – well, I mean, Auburn was a game that that they – that was a nice win. Auburn has its struggles offensively, but pretty good defensively. So I'm not going to say a and not beating anybody, but 
Look, I mean, they, they circled Miami's a big game. Arkansas was a big game, but Arkansas hasn't turned into what we thought it would be. Um, you, you lose the one to Alabama. You lose at Tennessee today. Uh, you, you know what it's going to be all week. If you and you get a bye Fisher, week. Well, and that's what I was going to say is, would you rather just not play almost anybody than, than have to sit and stew in it for two weeks? Oh, yeah. They're going to be licking their wounds for a while. I mean, that's not a – that's not a great feeling. Anytime you lose going into a bye week, that's a terrible feeling. You don't you you don't like that as a coach. It just makes the 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 taste linger in your mouth longer of that loss. So uh, that's not something you enjoy at all. But man, when you look at it, what could have been for Texas A&M too? Because they should have beat Alabama, and they should have beat they should have beat Tennessee. I mean, they 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 played. They outplayed those teams in terms of upfront and and in a lot of ways, but they couldn't produce uh, points when it came came down to it in the red zone. You got to give Alabama a lot of credit for that. You got to give Tennessee a lot of credit for that for the the red zone defense that they played against Texas A&M. But you know when something become happens once, uh, that's you know then that's fine. When something happens twice, that becomes a pattern, and then three times is a trend. So. Texas A&M is going to have to find a way to turn around that red zone offense with Max Johnson at the helm. I feel like we've hit on everything. Uh, we've we've got a lot of people joining us late. So just to, to recap, I said I thought the things that I took the most meaning from today, again, I want to see injuries. I want to see what happens with Brock Bauer. Sounds like he's going to be okay. Um, you had Walter Nolan. And and um, Cooper get hurt at at A and M. Yet Burden get hurt, but came back. So that that may not be as big of a storyline as I thought. But I thought b- big takeaways for me today were Tennessee's defense and its owning of Texas A and M's offense, and and frankly the way its offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage too. It gets a really tough front, and then I thought Graham Mertz. Well, and for that matter, Brady Cook. Uh, both both those guys really took control of games on the road and, and led their teams to wins. And we we unpacked Kentucky a lot at the first, but just the complete way that Kentucky came unglued from quarterback play to penalties to move to to, to me was was pretty astonishing because two weeks ago uh, that that team was flying high, it, it kind of dismantled Florida, and, and now it feels like that's been. That feels so long ago after the last two weeks. I don't know what Sheila's talking about here. Watch the show. One person basically wants to talk about one team not coming back. I don't I don't know what she's talking about. I think we've talked about everybody. So sorry about that, Sheila. I don't know what, what you mean by that. Uh Charles was talking about third SEC title for Missouri uh, SEC East title. Yeah, it's it's possible. I think Charles the only the only downfall for Missouri is is that when you got to go to Athens. I would feel a whole lot better if that game was in Como uh, than than I would if it was in Athens uh, for for Missouri with that game. Um, so hey, you know uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in, whether you like what we're doing or not. So, so thank you, thank you very much. And uh, look, you're line. you're always you're always going to have critics. Our our audience has been great and appreciative. I mean, this is <laughs> go, go check out Twitter and then go check out our comments. And and we're living in a pretty good world here, so that that's fine. People want to criticize it's it's their right as americans but um yeah there was there was something i wanted to get here to um let's see oh well i've i've, I've lost my train of thought so Carl says it's just a Georgia world, and we just live in it until we crash hey they it, it could happen and listen anytime anytime that you're an SEC game, and you got the the weapons that that Missouri has. If they come out and fire on all cylinders, and Georgia, you know, turns the ball over a couple of times, things of that nature, anything can happen. I think it's more apt to happen in a road environment than it is a home environment. But yeah. hey, I think it'll be a close game, and and we'll we'll see see what happens uh, in in a few weeks. But we got a couple games before we before we get there. I, I know what it was the the thought of Missouri winning the East. The, the problem is you got to go to Georgia. 
Yeah, that's what and, we, and, I mean. We just said, that, yeah, that's the well, only issue. And, and, and Georgia, Georgia avoided dangerous teams on the road this year, except for Tennessee. Yeah, and we got, and we got a long way to go between now and then. I think Tennessee, I think Missouri matches up better with Georgia than Tennessee does this year. And we wouldn't have said that because to beat Georgia, I think you have to have some expl- explosivity in the passing game because we saw with Kentucky, if you're a team that just runs the, if if you're a team that just runs the football predominantly with the running back like Kentucky did, Georgia's going to shut that down, and they didn't have the weapons on the outside. So I think what it's going to be all on Brady Cook that game when it comes down to it, and it's going to be Brady Cook, Luther Burden, Theo Wees, Mookie Cooper. Can they make plays down the field, um, and you know, really, really just keep keep peppering the ball down uh, down the field and, and keep Georgia off balance, run it just well enough, um, but. Like I said, tall task at home. The only thing that you got to talk about with with Georgia is, hey, yes, at times they look vulnerable, but yet they're back-to-back national champions and have won 24 straight games, 34 straight regular season games. So until somebody beats them, you know, you just got to say, hey, uh, like Charles said, it's Georgia's Georgia's world. Everybody's living in it until somebody beats them. So, Blaine, we we got some good games coming up the next couple weeks, but November is going to be fantastic. I'm just looking yeah, at some of the, the the gauntlets, like Missouri, for example. Missouri's got at Georgia, Tennessee at home, Florida. And then at Arkansas. Arkansas and Missouri is yeah. always a battle. Yeah, I mean, I, I I discounted that one for reasons that Arkansas is not as relevant as those other teams. But, yeah, I mean, Ar- Arkansas showed today not dead yet. Um, Listen, played, Arkansas played has, has lost that four games by one score or less, you know, by seven points or less. So yeah, our, our man Chris Foster's here. Uh, most Tennessee fans said nine and three, ten and two. That's looking likely. I I I was probably leaning more ten and two before the season. In the Florida game, uh, got me off that probably. But again, that that Florida win is or that Florida loss is not looking as bad as it did three weeks ago. The way the Gators are playing now. Yeah, uh, the, I think that Missouri game is really going to be the big swing game for them uh, because I don't think they'll beat Alabama next week. Uh, and then they got to go to Missouri. They got three really tough road games in the next, even though with Kentucky playing bad, that's still a tough game going to Kentucky. Uh, you know, Al- Alabama, Kentucky, then then you got UConn at home, which that'll be a win, and then at Missouri um, before Georgia comes to town. So, the, the the Alabama Missouri games those are kind of your your swing games right there to see how this season's going to end up for Tennessee. All right, let's let's wrap it up, Blaine. Um, I've got early yep. church tomorrow. Thank you do too. So any any parting thoughts, comments, questions we didn't get to on the way now, out? Now we just we just appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, we we do daily content of sec sports, not only football but basketball, baseball. Um, so it's all coming coming down the pipe for you so make sure you guys like subscribe it's absolutely free turn on notifications uh because chris and blake and gavin Schoenwald, former vandy tied in uh they go live on a daily basis i go live with no sean marino uh, and tavares king yes that no sean marino that just got named sec to the sec legends team this year he goes live on the channel every wednesday night uh, at 8:30, TK, No Sean, and I, and hey, we also have some uh, my morning show that that you know premieres every morning 10 9 Central. So uh, we got a lot of content. Chris, Brian Edwards, Jake Crane, we got so many contributors. Yeah. It's going, it's going really well. So yeah, and and two things. Uh, speaking of legends, good to see Eric Barry do get his due in Knoxville today. Uh, by all accounts, a class guy was. I mean, I, I think legend gets overused. He he really was one of the all time great safeties in this league so good for him uh content i'm gonna be in birmingham on wednesday sec basketball media days we're getting that cranked up uh it's just a a fight for time around here between getting the football content out and, and not just getting basketball content out but getting stuff out there that's not half baked so um, yeah absolutely in any case yes uh got got that coming so some of you guys who are, are maybe turning attention towards basketball, I'm looking at you, Kentucky and Vandy, 
uh, we, we've got that coming for you. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We've uh, spent an hour here uh, talking about the reaction to week seven of SC football. We'll see you guys for previews and predictions. They'll be coming out on Monday uh, here on the channel. So like I said, like, subscribe, turn on no notifications, and we'll catch you guys next time right here to talk more SEC football on Southeastern 14. Have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll see most of you on Monday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.